0: Good morning, welcome to Grace Point Virtual Church. If you have your Bibles, please open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter four. We're gonna look at verses four through nine. Uh, and as you're turning there, I, I so do appreciate all of you checking in by sending emails and uh, messages, text messaging, just to let me know uh, that you are watching. It helps me to to connect this time with all, of, to, to sort of connect the reality that I'm just not uh, preaching to a camera, that I'm actually Preaching to you all and connecting with you, uh, I hope you all are doing well uh, last week. Uh, I was gone, and so I, I do appreciate Garrett being here. Um, I asked him to cover the the two verses at the beginning of this sort of more as a, a topical message, and so we 're going to sort of go back over to more uh, kind of get the, the the context of Thessalonians to set us there. Uh, I had a chance to I flew up to Salem, Oregon for Um just a twenty four hours uh with the trip to Israel coming up in you know like five months. A buddy of mine from seminary, his church has about, I don't know, twenty people or so joining us on the trip and so he'd asked a while ago for me to go up. I was supposed to go up in May and then I postponed that with everything that was going on. And uh I thought the Sunday after or the Sunday before Veterans Day would be appropriate and didn 't realize it was the Sunday after the election, so but thankfully, everything was okay. There was no big deal and, and uh, due to some uh, some plans, uh, uh, Ellie was able to make the trip and so we had a great time up there and uh, it 's good it 's good to be home and it 's good to be back with my congregation. I always do miss you all, but I guess it rained pretty bad down here last week. I missed it all. I was up in you know the Portland area, and it was sunny up there so It's funny how things happen sometimes weather-wise. All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's pray, and then we'll look at our passage uh, for today. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for this time that we have to gather together to worship you. Lord, we do pray for uh, our leaders. We pray for our nation, Lord, that is so divided and there's just a lot of emotions um, on, on all fronts. And uh, Lord, as our county goes back into lo- lockdown, I pray that you would give us just wisdom as a people, Lord, to, to navigate these times. Uh, we uh, we long for the day that uh, the coronavirus will be behind us, but we look to you now and ask that you would help us to make the most of the the time that we have together uh, through these circumstances. Help us uh, not to allow these uh These things to go to waste in our lives. Uh, We ask that you would help us, Lord, as we uh, open the Bible and work through this passage. I ask that your grace would abound uh, through me, Lord. May you give me insight and clarity and teaching that I would rightly handle uh, the Word of God. We are uh, indeed grateful, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to worship you now. We ask that you would help us to grow closer to you. We ask that your word would take root in our lives and that we would uh, just walk away from today uh, more in love with you and walking closer with you. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right. So here we are, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed if you for indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel still more, and to make your ambition to lead a quiet life, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and to attend to your own business and to work with your hands, just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Father, we ask that you would help us to make the most of our time here today. May you lead us and guide us, and it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. Okay, so let's sort of review where we are. As I mentioned, I'm going to do sort of a a little bit of an overlap. I know Garrett covered verses 9 through 10, but we sort of cut it off there, and to cover verses 11 through 12, I feel like it's appropriate to sort of uh, to look at the, the four verses sort of as a whole. Um, back, in looking at the big picture, a few weeks ago, uh, so t- it was two, two Sundays ago preaching for me, so three weeks ago, uh, we were in the v- very beginning of chapter 4. And when we looked at those two verses, uh, we saw that... Paul had a request of them, and it was sort of followed in verse 2 by a, a command that was from the, the Lord Jesus. So they were requesting, but also acknowledging that it was a commandment of of, of the Lord that carried with it sort of the severity of a, of, a, of a military command. And so they were instructed to to walk or to live their lives in a manner that was pleasing to God. And he said that they were doing this. It wasn't so much a uh, sort of correcting them. It was there. There was an attaboy to it, but at the very end of it, uh, verse two. Uh, let's see here, or excuse me, verse one. It says, "Just as you actually do walk, that you excel all the more." And so there was sort of the idea, like I used the you know the navy sort of slogan, "Full speed ahead," that they were to really put the pedal to the metal and and go for it, to really live their lives for the Lord. And then two weeks ago, I covered verses 3 through 8, which dealt with a sexual purity. Um, there was the idea of that as they were living their lives in a way to please the Lord, Paul said that this is the will of God. And he, cont- he used the word sanctification three times in verses uh, 3 through 8, uh, that they were to live their lives holy or set apart uh, for God, and the term I used was uh, sexual sanctification. That the, that their uh, sexual lives were to be marked with purity, not impurity, uh, and for God uh, who created sex in this whole realm, uh, what that means within the 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 lanes that that He has laid forth. Are defined as uh, within the context of marriage between one man and one woman, and and within that instruction, he said, uh, "Don't uh, don't sort of run in lust with your body, but uh, to to be in control of your vessel." And then he also said um, that don't dishonor. Uh, maybe I'll just find it here. If I can get it, he says, um, verse five, not in lustful passion, like the Gentiles who do not know God. And then in verse six, he says, don't transgress or defraud your brother in these areas. So anything uh, sexually outside of the context of marriage is actually to defraud your brother or sister in Christ. And if you reject this, he says it, is to to reject God, and with that we sort of transition into verses nine through twelve, where we find ourselves uh, today uh, it's sort of so it falls under the banner from verses one and two to to live our lives in a manner that 's pleasing to god it 's within the picture that that Paul is painting about sanctification, uh, the idea of um, Spiritual maturity working itself out in our lives, and how uh, Christianity sort of uh, manifests itself that as we are saved, God begins to do this work in this life, and we become more like Christ and he touches these areas that are very, very uh, practical so he t- he, t- he touches on uh, our, our our sexual lives now he 's going to go into our love for one another. Um, the workplace, just sort of how we lead our lives. So we get to verse nine. Now, as to the love of the brother, brothers and sisters. So the word love here, this is the word Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. Phileo is sort of, uh, um, it's distinct from agape, where agape is a sort of, uh, uh the, the love that's sort of committed to the better of the other person. When I see Philadelphia, uh, Why well, I always think of Philly, you know, the city that's been in the news that they refer to as the city of brotherly love, but I've heard locals refer to it as the city of brotherly shove, which always makes me laugh. But I think of, uh, you know, like the camaraderie of a sports team, um, a friendship that is, that, that there's depth to it, sort of like a, a brothers in arms within the military. Uh, the, the guys that I served with, I can literally go 20 years um, and not see them, and then we see each other, and it's, it's like we don't skip a beat. There's a, there's a deep bond here. And so he says, I'm speaking of this, this ph- Philadelphia, this Phileo, uh, love concerning the brothers and sisters. So it's sort of like redundant here. So Philadelphia, that is brotherly love. Um, and he's saying, we're not talking about lust, we're talking about true love. And he says, you have no need for anyone to write you. He says, I don't need to expand on this. They were loving each other in an appropriate manner. And Paul is is grateful for that. He commends them for this. He says, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And so this, this word or this verbiage, you yourselves, it's an interesting it sort of emphasizes he's saying you yourselves know sort of it meaning apart from Paul apart from uh the the apostolic team this wasn't something that they uh had to work on 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 them about that as they shared Christ with them and they received Christ and they received the holy spirit um they began to learn directly from god this word taught by god it's one word in the greek and it it literally uh, carries like the idea of God teaching like it 's one word God taught, and so this uh, this fruit of of the spirit, this love that they have for one another they didn 't need instruction for paul from paul they didn 't need instruction from anybody else. it was simply that God was doing his work within them and and love was the thing that was bubbling out now this word "love this is not phileo, this is agape so this is this is love that one like a love that seeks the other's interest it's not feeling it's not uh, based in emotion it is a, 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 a like a strong, deep um, sort of abiding love uh, Paul speaks of this in romans five five where he says. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us so as we received the Holy Spirit as we became believers we're told that God just sort of uh, poured his love into our hearts and and it's it's hard to explain but it's impossible to to not have this as a believer to to be a genuine believer of Christ is to have the Holy Spirit and is to, to have this sort of love. It's it's part of the package. It's it's impossible. Uh, it's not like a car where you can get certain add ons. You know, when you're buying a car, uh, th- this is what this is on the base model of Christianity is that you have received the love of God um, and that this love fills you, and then you begin to love. Others within the body of Christ in ways that you you could never have done before i 'll never forget um, I think the f- i 'm not sure where I was, uh, but going overseas for the first time in my life as a believer and then encountering another Christian that didn 't speak my language, nor did I speak their language, yet we knew that we each Uh, had come to a place in our lives where we had trusted in Christ and there's just something unique that's hard to explain that there's a a kinship there's a a brotherhood in that that there's this love for this individual that I can't speak to I can't communicate with yet within me there's this uh, profound love and so he says you yourselves are taught by God to love one another and so this is, uh, this is interesting. He, he moves from phileo to agape. I'm not sure that there's anything in that for us, but he goes on to say in verse 10, for indeed you practice it toward all the believers, all the brothers and sisters, excuse me, who are in Macedonia. For he says, for, for indeed you are practicing this. I'm not writing to say that you're not doing something. I'm writing to you, and I'm saying that as, as we want to live our lives pleasing to God, we do this through our sexual sanctification. Uh, we do this through loving one another. And you all are loving one another. And it's beautiful. He says that you're doing it well. I want you to keep it up. And for us in our church, I do love uh, that we do love one another. Um, it's hard with the separation, and there is a, 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 a part of me that's sad and sorrowful, like in the midst of the coronavirus, where a part of our church has been sort of scattered, and we don't get to see each other as often as we would like. Some of you I haven't seen at all, and um, there's just like a disconnectedness that, as we do life together, for opportunity to really demonstrate and and to show and our love for one another, and so i 've seen a lot of um, just care for the brothers and sisters in Christ during this last year, as at, like, my whole time at Grace Point Church has been marked with this from the very first day that I preached here, and there were eight people I remember um, when Ann and I drove home kind of talking about, like, do we sense that this is where God wants us to be? And it was like, ah oh, well, there's like eight 80-year-old people. But we both were like, you know what? But these 80-year-old people, they they have genuine love. And so it was evident in our hearts that the peop- the remnant that remained here at the church, they genuinely love God, and we believe that their hearts were here. And so uh, it, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. But he goes on to say, and he's going to sort of press this, like he's not done with them. He's given them the attaboy. At the end of verse 10, he says, but we urge you, we plead, we we are admonishing you to, to, to keep it up, brothers and sisters, to excel even more. That phrase should sound familiar to you uh, back in verse 1, where he says, uh, that is, as you receive from us instruction as how instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel all the more. And so here again, he sort of uses that same verbiage. He says, but we urge you brothers and sisters to excel even more, stay on the gas, stay pressing forward, keep going, don't let up. He said, you're loving one another, but just do it all the more. So, the next section, as we this is sort of what we've covered already. You looked at this last week, and so as he's talking about love, loving one another, excelling, sanctification, growing more like Christ, living your lives in a way that's pleasing to God, he's going to sort of uh, he's going to turn uh, and focus on on. It's subtle; you won't really see it. But he's going to talk about evangelism and, and how we ought to live our lives in a way that reflects the gospel. So that, the, that our neighbors and the world around us uh, would be able to see Christ in us. It's, a, it's surprising how he says to do this. It's been very convicting to me as I've been pondering uh, this, this section uh, Charles Swindoll says this uh, concerning what is about to come. He says, "Let me warn you, though, there is nothing here about leaving tracks on the table at a local diner. No instruction on how to position yard signs to invite people uh, to invite people to your trendy new church plant. No advice on the best venue for mega megaplex crusade with giant crowds and loud music." So he says, when we think about evangelism, we think about all of these tricks and trades and things to kind of gather a crowd. He's like, none of that's going to be there. And it's going to be actually uncomfortable, the things that he says. Um, it's extremely practical and tangible advice. So on one hand, it's very relieving to me. On the other hand, it's, it's a little bit convicting to me. Uh, John MacArthur refers to this section as shoe-leather Christianity, meaning that it's just so practical uh, that that this is stuff that we can take with us today and into this week in a very, very uh, practical manner. So verse 11, what he says here, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Now, this is kind of funny if you think about it. So the first word, or the first part of this, he says, and to make it your ambition. So this is something that we're to sort of take to heart. Uh, ambition is a Greek word that's defined as wholehearted and energetic, an, an energetic pursuit of the object, so that there's an object and you're supposed to strive for it, you're supposed to put everything that you have into attaining the goal that he's about to lay out for us. And the goal that he lays out <laughs> before us is to lead a quiet life. So then you have like, this striving, this like pressing, this pursuit, sort of coupled with a quiet life. And it it just sounds a bit funny that we're to strive, work really hard, be diligent to pursue a, a quiet and restful life. First uh, Timothy two two, which is a like. First Timothy chapter two, the first couple of verses are extremely practical, especially right now. Uh, I imagine at, at this at this point, uh, we've had the election, we've exercised our uh, re- our freedom here as American citizens, or hopefully you have. Uh, we've expressed our vote. Um, you're either happy, sad, optimistic, discouraged. Like the whole process is going to unfold. I know that the media has come out and said, "Oh, this is this is the outcome," but they don't. The media is never the one who discloses the outcome. Like all the states go through their individual process and they sort of determine. And so the the media projects something, and and this is one that's so like close that there's going to be all these legal proceedings and recounts and 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 the reason I br- I bring this up is like for us. There's nothing more we can do. You cast your vote and now the process is going to work itself out. So you you can uh, you can kind of we have the freedom to step back and to uh, rest in God and to trust him for the outcome. Uh, we're told that we're to pray for those in authority over us. And so we may not know exactly who's over us, but we can really be praying uh, for the leaders over us. And the point that we do this in 1 Timothy 2, verse 2, the very end there, it says that the reason that we want to pray for our leaders is so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is exactly what, what Paul is suggesting that they do here. Like there's not the praying for the leaders, but there's like the, hey, you want to be sanctified? You want to live your life in a way that's pleasing to God? Will make it your ambition to lead a, a quiet life. Um, some have suggested, sort of trying to put this in context, that some have suggested that the Thess- Thessalonians had taken a healthy hope in Jesus' return, that because Jesus was uh, coming back and they, were, they are longing for his return, as we are still longing for his return, they had... Um, Sort of gone into the you know the end times and they're you know they're they started getting a little bit obnoxious in their evangelism they had gone a little bit extreme and they we'll see like through this whole section they believe that they probably stopped working that they it was creating all sorts of like division and and it really was a poor witness and so I I really think that there's there's something for us to, to learn. Uh, i can 't tell you how many uh, emails I get from people unsolicited sort of uh, you know telling me about this teacher or this prophet and this t- this sign of the times and this or that or, or whatever, all speaking towards uh, wh- why they think that the end is near or why they think that you know you fill in the blank for whatever prophetic uh, example you 'd want to use like i 've gotten every everything it can be overwhelming and i kind of think that this is sort of uh, is happening here and i and i don't always think that being loud and obnoxious is is good for the sake of the gospel there was an old movie like to call it a movie it wasn't in theaters it was like a christian thing and it was a sh- it was a short film i think it was like 20 minutes i think you can find it on youtube it's like the gospel blimp and so it was this this movie about evangelism these neighbors these Christians have this neighbor that's not saved and so they're, they're trying to come up with a big plan of how they can reach the guy for Christ. Like, it's just a bunch of crazy things. Like they're gonna run out of blimp and like bomb his house in the whole city with with tracks, and tracks are little pamphlets of, uh, you know, like with the gospel on there and to, b- to bombard it. And one of the guys that's not re- that's a believer that's not a part of this is like out golfing with a neighbor, and he's just kind of like out spending time with him and just living his life. And the movie's kind of making the point that while the bulk of these neighbors who are Christians, they're coming up with these grandiose plans, but the one guy who's like not involved in that at all He's simply living his life and, and maintaining a friendship and a closeness with this man. And he is, he's quite frankly is, is more effective in sharing the gospel with the man than those that want to do some crazy plan. And so I think Paul is telling them, guys, you just need to go about your lives, uh, love God, be, He's going to say, and attend to your own business or so leave, live a quiet life. Attend to your own business is the second thing I, I see here. Uh, this is really straightforward. Um, just like, do you, do we need any example of what minding your own business means? That like, don't be gossiping. Don't be meddling in other people's stuff. Like, live your life quietly. Focus on you. Um, some commentators referenced, uh, Proverbs twenty five seventeen, which never stood out to me before, but it kind of made me laugh when I, when I saw it today. And it says, "Let your foot rare, rarely be in your neighbor's house, or he will become weary of you and hate you." <laughs> and so, this just like it's like going about like minding your own business, live a quiet life, don't needlessly. Uh, interject yourself into other people's lives. Like, like, live your life. Be neighborly. Be hospitable. Do do the do these things, and when somebody asks you about your faith, then you you respond. It's just like what First Peter said, or Peter says in First Peter three fifteen. But, sancti- but, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense of everyone who asks you uh, to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and with reverence. And so the idea is live your life for Christ. Go about your business. Mind your business. Focus on yourself. As those around you who see you and see changes within you, they are going to approach you. And it's like, like, what happened to you? Like What's What's going on in your life? And when they ask, then you have the opportunity to, to share Christ with them and to share what's happened. Um, it's, it's very encouraging, like super encouraging, super practical. He goes on to say, and work with your hands. Um, manual labor during this time amongst the Greeks, it was, it was looked down upon. It was... Uh, it was, it was, it was something for the poor people to do. It was, it was, it was looked upon, uh, with, with disgust and there was, they would wanted to avoid it. A- and so as we get into second Thessalonians, we'll see that's that many of these people had, um, they had, they'd stopped working. They were anticipating the Lord's return. They were being really aggressive in their evangelism that we believe, um, they had stopped working. Likely they had come to the point where they, the Christ didn't return and the, and then they started running out of money and food and they weren't able to take care of themselves. Then they would go to their neighbor's house and say, well, can you, can you, can you spot me some bread and can you do this stuff? And, and so the one person's working and it's, they're having to sort of offset, uh, for the Christians neglect in the lifestyle. And it was really a, a bad, uh, testimony to, to christ um in second thessalonians this is a verse that uh you know in our house you have to contribute and if you don't contribute you don't get to eat it says for even when we were with you so second thessalonians three ten. for even when we were with you we used to give you this order if anyone is not willing to work then he is not to eat either and so this, the idea of just sort of like charity to the extent where you hurt the individual, that's not what Paul was saying. He said if an individual isn't willing to work, then they shouldn't get food. So if they you work, you do your labor, you do your vocation, you focus on your business, and then you you earn and you provide for yourself, you care for your family. Like this, this is... Uh, this is what the scripture talks about. Like it's it's a value to the Christian life. This is the work ethic of those who follow Christ. Uh, a Christian should have a strong work ethic. We who believe should be like in the strongest demand amongst the world. I'll never forget. Um, a couple years ago, I I'd reached out to my buddy, who's a contractor. He he builds houses and he like he does like really high end stuff. And I started asking, I asked him, you know, just some, like, if we wanted to add a room or something, and what were we looking at? And he said, well, you you really want to make sure you get individuals that do good work. And, and and he's a believer, and he said, don't hire Christians. He's like, they'll take advantage of you. And it, and it was like, you could tell he was in pain. He's like, I've tried to hire Christians in the past, and I've been taken advantage of. They... They think because I'm a Christian boss, they don't want to work at the same level because of, you know, of grace and, and he's like, it shouldn't be that way. But unfortunately it's, it's been that way. And I I think that Paul's like, he's saying, you know, work with your hands, mind your own business. like you contribute, uh, let, let your labor reflect that you really love God and that you, you care about what you do and you have integrity, um, this is what our lives should look like. He goes on to say, just as we instructed you. So this is nothing new. Paul is saying, this, everything that I'm writing, this is stuff that I've said to you uh, previously. And then in verse 12, he says, so that. So we get into the whole purpose of of, of really, um, I don't know. We could probably go back to, to verse one. I, uh, certainly we can go back to verse nine, like this whole loving one another, leading quiet lives, um, minding your own business, working hard, all of these things so that you will behave properly toward outsiders. I think this is in the call of a pastor. Um, One of the requirements in in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is that the the, the elder, the pastor, has has his reputation with non-believers is is good, that he has a good reputation. He says, if you do all of this stuff, you do all this stuff so that you will behave properly towards outsiders. Outsiders are those who don't share faith in Christ with you. And as you live your life in this way, you're actually uh, evangelizing your neighbors. Your neighbors are able to look into your lives. They're able to see the integrity that you have and your character, and your nature, and how you go about your business. And then Jesus, through your life, begins to, to be appealing. He goes on to say, also very practically as he ends here, he says, and not be, any, not be in any need. So if you're minding your own business, living a quiet life, working with your hands, you're gonna have food. You're gonna have shelter. You're gonna have provision. God will bless your hard work. <laughs> like this is one of the things I really love about Dave Ramsey. I know that over the years, last last uh, I think it was last fall, maybe that we di- we did a the Dave Ramsey course. And I remember I was approached by somebody saying, "Oh, is this like a prosperity gospel?" I'm like, "No, not at all." Like Dave Ramsey's like he really believes in hard work and really labor and out there moving and really putting in effort so that you, you can use the money to get yourself out of debt and to get your life sort of in order. Very practical. And so Paul says, we do all of this for evangelism. We do all of this because just practically, uh, you'll be able to, to care for yourself. And so where I always end up is, is like this, so what? What are, what are we instructed to do here when I look at this sec- section, the the, the the encouragement, the exhortation that we have as believers today, here at Grace Point Church, here in Valley Center, or wherever you're watching, as Gunner ends this message and goes out into the world to live his life, I need to be mindful that I'm loving my brothers and sisters in Christ. In John chapter 17, when Jesus prays a high priestly prayer, this is this is this is. What he prayed that there would be unity, that they would love one another in a manner that would be different from the world. That as we love one another, as we are gracious towards one another, uh, the the world will see that. Uh, We are to strive to maintain quiet lives. Uh, Conviction for for me in this area is like how we interact with people, the emails we're sending to people, uh, the things that we're posting on social media. Um, are, are we maintaining uh, quiet lives? Um, we're to mind our own business, that I'm to care about myself, my home. I, of course, as a pastor, I care about our church and our congregation. Uh, and we each need to, to really be attentive uh, to our own lives. Mind your own business, as Paul says. I mean, it doesn't get any more blunt than that, does it? We're to, we're to work hard And we're to do these things because it's pleasing to God, it's good for you, and it's good for evangelism. And so with that, let's pray and ask God to help us with these uh, very practical things. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had to to gather, to worship you, to study uh, your scripture. Lord, today's section is is super simple. This is not complicated stuff. It's the application that can be difficult. And so, Father, we ask that you would help us to, to really abide in you, that we would walk with you closely, that your love would manifest itself in our lives, that we would be filled up and overflowing with love, A love for one another, love for those around us. May we see the people that you've placed in our life through your eyes, uh, for you died for each one. Father, we pray that you would help us to, to really be intentional about living quiet lives, that we would mind our own business, that we would be diligent in whatever work we're doing. Father, if we are retired, I pray for those who are retired, that you would help them uh, t- to really work for you and to serve you and to honor you in their retirement. And Father, ultimately, we pray that our, our lives would uh, be lived in a way that's that's pleasing to you uh, that's a that 's a, a a light to a lost world, and that would go well for us lord that, that we would do our part and that you would continue to supply and sustain our needs. Uh, Father, we ask that you would uh, bring peace to our souls and help us and all in this crazy world that we live in, that things are so upside down right now. We pray, God, that you would anchor us in in yourself and that we would find peace there. And we pray this in Christ's good name, amen. Well, God bless you all. I look forward to seeing you next week. I hope you're enjoying this wonderful this wonderful weather that we're having. God bless you all. Have a great week.